Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP ink and toner cartridges. Precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. Industries for the Blind presents Blind Living Radio, where you'll hear interesting topics, fun stories, and important news about our blind and visually impaired community. It's time now for Blind Living Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Blind Living Radio. I'm Harley Thomas in the HP studio. Today, joined with Mark Wilhelms. Hello, Harley. Hello, Mark. You're the chief innovation officer in charge of technology. I am indeed. You're a technology guru. I wouldn't say that. We have some gurus in technology. We do have gurus. Yes, we do. You actually said once you can't really be a guru. I don't think a guru exists, but we have some really smart guys. and I've always made it a practice. To hire people smarter than me. It changes too fast. Well, that too. And, you know, there are really some smart people around, so we like to keep them. They're really smart people. And we like smart people. That's kind of the topic today is technology, smart people, and how does technology help people live better and work more efficiently? Especially in the blind and visually impaired community. There is so much technology now that it is scary. And it's all available, and it's becoming even more and more available, and actually cheaper. And more mainstream. I mean, if you think about the things that we're doing here at IB Milwaukee, you know, we've already got eSight goggles in. eSight goggles. OrCam is in. We're coming on some OrCam. We like SpiderVest. You know, we've Toyota. Got Toyota. I can't Toyota wait. Toyota Blade. You know, for the Blade to get them to the market. And, yeah, there's so many wonderful, amazing products coming out, being developed by IBM and Microsoft. Even Uber. Even Uber. Even right? Uber. Yeah. Uber's great. Everybody is trying to understand how they can better become more accessible and technology and use technology, especially geotargeted and navigational devices. And you spend a lot of time with the website, with ibsupply.com, and usability within the building and trying to incorporate new technology to make things faster better, a better user experience. is all focused on the end experience. Yes. There's a lot of new conferences uh, that are are happening now that are called smart buildings, smart home conferences, smart city conferences. I'm going to one in Las Vegas soon that is all about smart cities and what cities are doing to make it more accessible and easier. And it's pretty cool. There's some great things, I I believe, like navigating around the city, because in cities with tall buildings, your GPS doesn't work, so there are other things they're doing with that. Oh, yeah. Lights, security, safety, directions, all kinds of really wonderful things. We're about to – I think we're about – we're at the beginning of the age of technology in the homes and in the workplaces and in our cities that is going to be so second nature, especially when we talk about self-driving cars – and self-driving delivery services, drone delivery drone services. Drone delivery, yes. Yeah, I mean, all that's going to happen, and uh, I'm excited. The I'm Internet excited for of it. Things. And the thing about it, yes, the Internet of Things. The only thing about the Internet of Things is you have to learn it. You have to be accessible to accessible technology. Because if you don't teach people, some people won't figure it out on their own. It's daunting. Who can? I can't even keep up. I can figure out the iPhone mostly, but there are many things it can do that I don't take advantage of because I've never officially been been trained. Yes, yes. I need to be trained. And we're sighted. Right. So imagine a blind professional or a visually impaired person who 
who, who needs to learn this technology, where do you go? Where do you start? How do you like that segue? That's a great segue into our guest today, Mark. I teed you up. That was a wonderful. That that was like a giant (laughs) tee, and I took a big old driver, and I'm just going to smash it. That's how it works in radio, folks. That's how it works. Right down the fairway. Yeah. So today we're going to get on the phone, Mr. Mike Hess, who is the founder of the Blind Institute of Technology. It's based in Denver. So, Mark, without further ado, why don't we get Mike on the phone? Let's call Mike. First, Mike. Good afternoon, Mike. This is Harley Thomas and Mark Wilhelms at Blind Living Radio. How are you, sir? Uh, top of the afternoon to you, gentlemen. How are you? Wonderful. We're pretty excited to talk to you. We love your journey to where you are and where you started, and we want everyone to hear that story because we find it fascinating, and we're excited to hear about all the new technologies that are out there and available for uh, the blind and visually impaired and and kind of what you and do, everybody. yeah, the whole and thing. how you help blind people gain employment. It's one of those things with the seventy percent unemployment rate. It's huge. It's, it's <laughs> it is huge, huge, absolutely. And you are the founder of Correct. Blind Institute of Technology. Correct. And what kind of started you? What was the impetus to start the Blind Institute of Technology, Mike? Quite honestly, as I was getting into my 40s, I had been in IT and network for almost 20 years, and I was always the token blind guy in any uh, organization. And as I was getting into my 40s, I, you know, I had achieved a lot of financial goals. I was a six-figure engineer, and I don't say that to be braggadocious. I say that because I wasn't just a token blind guy that they decided to give all the money to. I was very effective. I was very productive. And I always felt like it wasn't despite my blindness. It was because of my blindness. And so as I was getting into my 40s, I didn't, uh, management in the private sector really wasn't, uh, my calling because I'm not a very good yes man. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't, I don't play in that realm. Although when management would come to me and they'd say, Hey, we have a, you know, a seven figure problem we need you to solve. I was really good at solving that. It wasn't uh, because I'm super, super bright. uh, I've got got a little bit of intelligence, although I'm really good at pulling in the right talent to surround me with. So from a team perspective, I was really good at building the appropriate teams to solve uh, very significant problems. And so, you know, I was was doing okay, but I wanted to... um, I started digging in from an engineering perspective saying, you know, why, why is there so much unemployment? Obviously, the large organizations that are out there should be doing something by now. Quite honestly, I, I was isolated from the blind and visually impaired community for probably two decades. Mike, you were blind since age seven, right? Is that when your vision or is that when you lost your vision? Well, so that's when they identified it. I was really, I can remember back in kindergarten, I've got a cone rod dystrophy. And so I lost my central vision early on, although they didn't detect it because uh, I'm old enough. I'm uh, I'm an old guy. So back in the 70s, they didn't start doing the eye test until first grade. And in kindergarten, I can remember like all you had to do is color in the big letter M and the big letter O, all that kind of stuff. But I couldn't color in the lines, <laughs> and so they thought I was just a little bit slow, and so uh, as the public school system does, it just pushed me through, and then uh, it was in uh, first grade, I, I was one of those smart alecks, I wanted to sit in the back of the classroom and do all that. And, couldn't uh, see the board. Like, you know, 
yeah, read the board. And I'm like, what's on the board? And so that kind of started the whole journey. And then a uh, small town I grew up in, in Geneva, Ohio, the optometrist there uh, literally told my mom that I was faking it and just gave me a placebo pair of glasses and just told her to keep me six feet away from the TV, that sort of thing. And my mom knew uh, within really hours that that wasn't the case. And then so next town over, next town over, and then ultimately at the Cleveland Clinic, they did some experimental uh, eye surgeries on me. And they initially diagnosed me with uh, the earliest onset of macular degeneration because, again, you know, 40 years ago, you know, they didn't know really a whole bunch when it came to the eyes yet. So That is quite an adventure just getting diagnosed, and then you've gone so far. Hey, Mike, I I have a question. How did the Blind Institute of Technology and how you started that and and where you are today? Absolutely. No, I appreciate the uh, question. Literally, the, the genesis of it all was I had been thinking about when I was uh, as, a, as a senior level engineer, I was thinking about this problem as, you know, why the unemployment and underemployment epidemic within the blind and visually impaired community. And, you know, doing my due diligence like a good engineer should. And I just realized, really, I believed all organizations that were out there were focusing kind of on the wrong topic. The big organizations, you know, name the B organization, but whether it's NFB, AFB, you know, ACB, whatever the B organization is, WSB, kind of they, it seems like every, all the literature that I've seen, they focus on kind of ADA. They talk about, uh, you know, you're required to da-da-da-da-da, and did you know that you're required to da-da-da-da? And to me, that was the wrong approach versus when I go and I talk to organizations, it's always about, let me show you just how easy it is to make accessible technology work, so therefore you're able to tap into a greater talent pool. And so that was, you know, when I started doing my due diligence, I really, I started thinking, you know, they're, they're focused on the wrong thing because oh, as an IT and network engineer, it was, it's been accessible technology that's allowed me to overcome all of my visual obstacles that I encountered. And so as a technologist, I was able to, and literally the name, Blindness of the Technology, I took the binary bit, you know, the zero and one on off, and I created the acronym, Blindness of the Technology. So that's my claim to marketing fame. Brilliant. <laughs> it's an IT thing. It's big. Exactly. I like it. I love it. Yeah. So I started with the name and, and just focusing on really technology through all of humanity has helped us overcome, whether it's the Wright Brothers or the invention of the pencil or whatever it is, it's helped humanity overcome. Now, 40 years into the digital age, accessible technology and the concepts thereof have really caught up enough to allow blind and visually impaired people to overcome those visual obstacles out there in corporate America. Although nobody's out there talking about that. And at the collegiate level, there's a rare uh, university that even teaches accessible technology coding techniques, which is really sad. So to me, systemically, you know, the system is pretty broke. And considering probably 85% of all industry right now has some kind of federal ties to federal contracts, and they're mandated to be accessible, it's amazing to me that this really hasn't taken off any sooner than it has. I chose to make it a nonprofit, and even though we're similar to the uh, NIB, just like Wisconsin Industries for the Blind, we're very similar where we are a social enterprise. So we have programs that support us, and from an operational cost standpoint, we're not out there just you know asking friends and family and fools for 50 bucks to keep the lights on. We're really focused on we add value, so stop marginalizing the disabled community and the blind visually impaired community as a whole from a talent pool perspective. 
And so we're out there and we sign contracts for small companies like DaVita, Aetna, Comcast, that sort of thing. So if you've got an MBA or some other kind of great skill set, uh, you're going to get paid the same kind of wages as your cited peers. And so our business model is a little bit different, although at the end of the day, we are a nonprofit staffing agency with the impetus of helping organizations make all of their applications completely accessible. Because as an IT network nerd, I'm able to go in there and say, Hey, there's no mystery behind this. This is all it takes. So we focus as a solution-oriented organization, talking about how easy it is to make applications, regardless of the platform, completely accessible. Mike, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in working with organizations or having organizations adapt some of your recommendations? So It's still the same ones that your organization and others like yours face. It's stigma perception. You know, and if you think about the disabled community as that, as a community, uh, honestly, you know, 200 years ago, most blind people in most third world countries, we were what you call food. We were not participants in the ecosystem, hunter-gatherers, anything like that. They didn't know what to do with the disabled, so a lot of times you were left behind. But after World War One, when there was this huge influx globally with the disabled community, we, and you know, it was no, it was barbaric now just to throw us out to the wolves. All of a sudden now we became a community. And so quite honestly, in the last hundred years, it's still been slow going to uh, figure out how we integrate with society as a whole. And when you think about some of the systemic situations that are still out there right now, I was a product of the public school systems. Although there's still a, a huge demographic that's going to the schools for the deaf and blind. So even though Martin Luther King helped with the black-white segregation 50 years ago, still today there's a huge segregated community within the disabled community, and we have to stop that, and, and that'll help change the perception and stigma. So, Mike, are your customers people or blind professionals or individuals that walk in the door, or are you approaching corporations with a solution that says, look, I can help you train and find people to meet a requirement or to hire more disabled people? Uh, it's a great question. Quite honestly, since I have, uh, with our, our domain, uh, Blind Institute of Technology started, uh, June 1st of 13. And since I've been on the web, I have never had to search for blind and visually impaired people because there's nobody else out there that's really advertising gainful employment opportunities in private America. They are finding me. And I'm talking about internationally, India, the UK. South America, Canada, it has been absolutely amazing. But what we do is we'll go to, you know, again, we'll, we'll start to do with DaVita because they've been an amazing corporate partner of ours. And I go to the CIO, Alan Cullop. So his organization alone has got 2,000 employees. So it's a small city in and of itself. So they're a huge global leader, although I went to them because they serve people who have renal disease, kidney disease. And one of the big patient populations they have are diabetics. Well, one of the unfortunate side effects of diabetics is vision loss. Okay, you probably know that. And so I go to I go to Alan Cullop as a solution, and I say, Alan, you know, are you serving all of your patients equally well? And the answer is obviously no. And I explained to them, through accessible technology, you can now have all your patient-facing applications absolutely serving all of your patients equally well. Well, and if you think about that from just an organization perspective, like which company doesn't want to start serving all of its consumers, all of its customers equally well? And when you find out just how ridiculously easy and cheap it is to actually implement accessible technology coding techniques, 
I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, but it's literally just asking that very simple question. And when you start making it like now all of a sudden they're able to serve their customers better, it's an easy business decision to make. That's really an easy decision to make. It's not hard at all. Mike, speaking of business decisions, we have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. You know how that goes. It's rough. (laughs) My name is Harley Thomas. I'm in Blind Living Radio Studio. We have Mike Hess, the founder of the Blind Institute of Technology, on the phone. And Mark Wilhelms, the Chief Innovation Officer at IB Milwaukee. You are listening to Blind Living Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. From Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is Blind Living Radio. From Industries for the Blind, providing employment opportunities for blind professionals since 1952. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio. I'm your host, Harley Thomas, in studio with Mark Wilhelms, the Chief Innovation Officer. Hello, Mark. Hello, Harley. And we have Mike Hess, the founder of the Blind Institute of Technology on the line. Mike, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me, gentlemen. You know, it's a great discussion, and your mission, is it focused on IT professionals exclusively? Great question, and, and it would sound like it's based on the, the name of the organization, Blind Institute of Technology, and everything I've been talking about is technology-based. Although, uh, if you think about IT as a sector, it is absolutely critical lifeblood of every organization now, regardless from manufacturing, you know, uh, supply chain management, which I know your organization is uh, well versed in, uh, through uh, healthcare and financial and entertainment. IT is absolutely a cost center within every one of those organizations. And then if you go out to Silicon Valley, it's the lifeblood of every single organization that's out there. So because I'm able, based on my experience and my tenure within technology, again, I mean, it's easy for me to go out there and talk to technology leaders. And so I get invited to talk to a lot of CIOs and CTOs and so that or chief innovation officers like yourself. And that's kind of my easy way in. I can speak nerd. Although at the end of the day, what I'm also able to do is say, hey, we've got a great MBA or we've got a great project manager. And project management doesn't necessarily have to be within the IT or network sector. And we have people that have accounting skills. We have MSWs. We have, you know, there are, there are blind people, as you know, that are out there overcoming the academic challenges every single day. You know, we're doing our part, although what's missing out there is, again, somebody that's advocating saying that, hey, uh, accessible technology is just a mitigator. It's a way of leveling the playing field. It shouldn't be that barrier to entry for organizations. And so I approach organizations with that mindset. And so we're getting people placed in all parts of the organization, although my entry is generally talking to the chief nerd. I'd like to talk more about that, Mike, for just a second. Let's stay on the business track. So we use, of course, and many organizations use ZoomText and JAWS as the way that IT professionals can read screens or in business. What do you see as the future for ZoomText and JAWS, and what new technologies are you seeing that emerge that might even be better in the future? Well, what's interesting is I actually see the trend, especially put the state here in the state of Colorado, where I'm at right now. You know, the entire state of Colorado IT has gone the direction of Google. So the Google Apps, Gmail, the whole nine yards, Google Docs, Sheets. And Google has made a an absolute concerted effort that they will be uh, NVDA, which is, of course, a free screen reader. And if you think about it, like, why should blind, visually impaired people that have this incredibly high epidemic of un- or underemployment have to pay so much money just for these accessible technologies? 
And I understand that these are for-profit organizations, and we're a capitalist country. Let them have at it. But if you if you think about it, just from an economic standpoint, the reason why Google is able to do so much is because they're giving stuff away. And accessibility, you know, I mean, when you think about digital equality, it really means digital accessibility. And the best way to get there is through uh, either lower cost or free open source screen reader technologies. Many of our contracts that have come through actually have been because of the blind visually impaired community, just again, thinking about it systemically, uh, again, and, and uh, kudos to Freedom Scientific. They've done a great job with all their products. Same thing with AI Squared. Great thing with all their products. This is not a bash uh, or even, you know, my test does not get paid to be a predictor of the future. Although if you just think about it, you know, kind of where organizations are going, even Microsoft now, Microsoft is practically given away uh, much of their software right now because, again, they have to follow the trend of what Google is doing. And so if you think about that from, you know, just kind of a trending perspective, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not a fortune teller. I don't have a crystal ball, although it's pretty interesting, you know, is the tail wagging the dog or is the dog wagging the tail? And, and so Google absolutely has, uh, you know, something to say within this space, and they will be a leader within accessibility without a doubt. Yeah, I think you're right, too. I think Office 365 and Microsoft's cloud solution emulates Google, which is completely accessible and drives accessible technologies. What do you, what do you hear from Apple? What do you, I mean, everyone, you know, of course, we all have cell phones now, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Uh, great question. And literally, it's kind of funny. I get, I get to speak, um, and I get invited to speak. I'll be in Chicago next Monday. I get invited to speak all over the country, coast to coast. And, and I always tell people, like, I'm not an Apple or an iPhone evangelist, although I am an accessibility evangelist. And so what I believe one of the most brilliant things that Steve Jobs did, you know, before he launched his very first iDevice, he, he said he made sure that all touchscreen iDevices were completely accessible using voiceover. And so now you guys know this. If you go to a blindness convention, it's practically an Apple convention. That's Google, right. Google's talkback is absolutely making some significant ground up. We do a lot of projects with organizations. Davida is one of them where the development that we're doing to make sure that applications are accessible, we're primarily focused on the Android devices using talkback. And that's primarily because of the price point. So if you're kind of a tenured blind person, as it were, or a visually impaired person, you find the money to get that eye device because they're so innately accessible. Although uh, if you're new to the blindness world and you've been used to Android devices based on price point, and they do have a huge market share based on price point, all of a sudden now, you know, you got to use what you have. And so our immediate effort at DaVita is absolutely using TalkBack for accessibility for the patient-facing application. It's getting smarter and smarter and smarter, although I would like Siri just to be a little nicer to me. She's I, just uh, not I'll... nice. <laughs> uh, I well, and, and sometimes I'd actually like her to have a little attitude too. And what's interesting from an accessible technology perspective, like you know the evolution and and all these uh, voice response units, these technologies that are really prevalent and predominant within so many different companies now, like you mentioned AWS and all sorts of organizations that are that are, are taking their hand at this. Because if you think about accessible technology from an evolution standpoint, the motor skills impaired, the wheelchair com- community, really, um, I mean, take a because they really set the stage, you know, 40 years ago, making sure curb cuts, making sure those automatic doors. And that's where accessible technology 
started was back in the day, and, and people think of accessible technology as well. It's just for the disabled community. Oh, contraire, mon frere. It's actually you know used by you know millions and millions of others that it makes life easier. They just don't realize that they're using accessible technology. I want to ask you, well, we just have a few more minutes. In your crystal ball, 10 years from now, where do you see this world? What do you see this world looking like 10, 20 years from now? Gosh, it's, it, this is an easy one. It's something literally that I dream about every single night. And I personally see that blindness to technology will help find 10,000 gainful employment opportunities just here in the United States and more than 50,000 globally. I see that diversity and inclusion as an initiative really kind of the second coming of affirmative action. It is absolutely going to realize that the, the blind and visually impaired community and the disabled community as a whole is the greatest untapped resource from a human resource perspective on the planet. Based on statistics alone, that is absolutely quantifiable. Accessible technology is going to be pervasive and predominant in all digital applications that are out there. So that's the world that I see, and it's absolutely going to be sooner than later. I, I see that world, too, Mike. Like I really share that, and I, I really believe that not only the blind community, but the sighted community is going to become so untethered. We will not see wires anymore. Our screens will be clear. Our information will be immediate and intuitive. We'll be able to discuss and have conversations with people that are in other countries, and they'll be sitting right in front of us in a hologram. We'll see this. It will happen. And I think blind technology, if you think about hologram technology, that can be adjusted to a person's eyesight, just like the eSight goggles are today. And I see that, and I, I believe that we're going to become an incredible society of immediate intelligence and accessibility and collaboration and innovation all at the same time. So I'd really be excited to be a part of it. We live in interesting times. And oh, change it's is happening. It's great. It's as it's happening right now, I believe. And I believe that guys like Mike and a lot of the other companies we're talking to are right on the beginning of an amazing amount of innovation and greatness in uh, in our world. Mike, you're an employment agency. How can folks get in touch with you if they are a professional wanting to find a career? How can folks uh. find you? What's the best? Um, so easy. It's ridiculous. So please call me 303-995-MIKE, 303-995-6453, or Mike at blindinstituteoftechnology.org. I'd say phone calls. Uh, people are shocked because, again, they, they'll, they'll see me on the news. They'll see me in the newspaper. They, you know, we've been in international IT publications already. I will never be an executive that does not pick up its phone because I serve the BVI community as a whole. And I really feel like I'm this spokesperson for the BVI community in the private sector that it's, it's needed. And I, I, don't, I don't take that title lightly or, or to my head. It's just something that, I mean, I'm out there serving the blind and visually impaired community every single day. And uh, I've, I've never been happier in my life. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. The blind and visually impaired community is very important to us at Blind Living Radio and IB Milwaukee. Sounds like you know a little bit about us. We've learned a lot about you. And Mark and I would like to thank you very much for being on the show, Mike. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate the time. I think we'd like Mike to come to Milwaukee. I think we certainly want him to come yeah, to Milwaukee. Yeah, I think so. We're doing a lot of great things up here, Mike. So if you're in Chicago next week... 
and you want to take a quick uh, trip up to Milwaukee, we'd love to have you come by. Uh, I'd be honored. I look forward to it, gentlemen. We will be in touch. I want to thank Mike Hess, the founder of the Blind Institute of Technology, based in Denver, Colorado, for joining us. I'm Harley Thomas, in studio with Mark Wilhelms. We will see you all next week. Thanks for listening to and supporting Blind Living Radio. You can support Industries for the Blind by ordering any of our products from blind-made.com. That's blind-made.com. Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP Ink and Toner Cartridges, precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. Hi, my name is Mike Hess, and I am the executive director and founder of Blind Institute of Technology, BIT. I'm a huge supporter and fan of Blind Living Radio in Milwaukee. Thank you for all you do. 